Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. So one of the churches that supports Trinity is Briarwood Presbyterian in Birmingham, Alabama. It is one of the largest churches in our denomination. And one of the things that they do that is spectacular at Christmas time is a live nativity scene. Now, because Briarwood is so large, they have all the resources to pull off a wonderful drive-through nativity that is very professional and very entertaining and edifying. And they have thousands of visitors that come see it every year. And at the end, they proclaim to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been to many live nativities as a child. And I will tell you, as a pastor, I've come to the conclusion that you should not try to do a live nativity or a drive-through nativity unless you are a very big church like Briarwood. I've just seen so many that are not done well. Here's an example. There was a church in the Midwest, and they decided that they were going to have a live nativity. Very small, rural church. And so the pastor didn't want to bother some of the men in the congregation who were farmers, and he called a petting zoo in the nearby city and said, we're going to have a live nativity scene. Can you bring animals on this date for what we're hoping to accomplish? And much to his amazement and surprise, the owner of the petting zoo did not bring sheep. He didn't bring a donkey. He didn't even bring a horse. A pastor comes out of the church and he walks over to the wonderful nativity set that they've created. And there, for baby Jesus, is a kangaroo, a miniature zebra, and a llama. Those are the animals that the petting zoo decided that they were going to bring for this nativity. It didn't work. It just didn't work. It was a failure completely. So I was thinking through the Advent series, and I was thinking about the animals of Advent, and our minds usually go to the typical animals that we see at our nativity sets. Camels and donkeys and sheep. But as I was working my way through the text, I saw a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Those, those birds you don't often see in the Christmas story. They are never at live nativities, and they are typically not in nativity sets that we have at home. But I think that there is a reason why they are mentioned. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. The need for sacrifice. Turtle doves and young pigeons. Let's pray. 
Our God and our King, we pray that through your word this morning, our eyes would be opened, our hearts would be enlarged, and our souls would be comforted. Speak to us, high King of heaven. Forgive the one who speaks, for my sins are great. Set me aside as you, and you alone bring us a message of hope and grace this morning. Amen. So there's two things that I want to mention. The greater sacrifice and the great exchange. The greater sacrifice and the greater exchange. Jesus is being brought to Jerusalem by Mary and Joseph. I think there is something very wonderful that we hear in Luke chapter 2. That they are bringing Him up to Jerusalem. Now remember, the Old Testament ends asking the question, who is going to ascend the high hill? Who is going to save Israel? Now remember, the Hebrew Old Testament is ordered differently than our Old Testament. And so it does ask the question, who is going to save God's people? And Luke is giving us a clue in the very beginning of his gospel when he says that Mary and Joseph are going to Jerusalem. They're going to the temple. They are bringing Jesus to the throne of King David. This little child wrapped in swaddling clothes. This tiny infant is going to be the one who is going to save Israel from their sins. He is the one who is going to be perfectly faithful to the covenant. He is the one who is going to deliver us. And here he comes to Jerusalem. It's just a small little hint. A small little clue that Luke, as the author, is giving us. We will see Jesus again ascend that hill riding a donkey, which is a symbol of a king coming for his people. Why are they going to Jerusalem? Yes, Jesus, King Jesus, is coming for his people. But in this particular instance, Mary is going to the temple because she, according to Levitical law, is ceremonially unclean. If you know Leviticus 12, 2, you know that according to the law of God, she is supposed to offer a sacrifice. Mary is unclean. Joseph is unclean. Joseph would have been by her side in birth. He more than likely would have helped her. And so they are both unclean before God. God has established His laws in the Old Testament. They may seem very foreign to us. They may seem very unusual to us. But what God is doing in His Word is He's driving His people to the point that they understand that we are unholy. That we need purification, that we need cleansing, that we are sinful, and that He is three times holy. He is everything that we are not. The law is a teacher helping us to understand our need for a Savior. So this act of purification, this sacrifice that needs to be offered would be a reminder to Joseph. It would have been a reminder to Mary that this is simply 
temporary. That what the people of God need, what Israel needs, is a Messiah, a Redeemer. One who will be the sacrifice for our sins. That will take away these temporary sacrifices forever. Forever. We all have cell phones. And we have apps. And every app on every cell phone has some kind of a notification. I cannot stand notifications. So I have done my best to delete and to get rid of every single possible notification on my phone. But there is one in God's providence that I cannot figure out how to get rid of. And it's, and this was, drum roll, it's going to make you laugh. And it's tied to Alabama football. And so, as big of a fan as I am, I don't want the notifications. And I have spent so much time in the app, in the settings, trying to figure how to turn it off. Can't do it, can't figure it out. I would delete the app but I need it for other things. And this is what the law of God is doing. It's a notification that's constantly reminding us that we are not all that we should be. That we are far from God. That we are imperfect. That we are idolatrous people. That we are rebellious that we often do the opposite of what we intend to do. That we're not the perfect husband. That we're not the perfect wife. That as parents we struggle. As businessmen and businesswomen, we're not the best. Life is challenging. Life is hard. Sin has wreaked havoc on everything and everyone. Hear that again. Sin has wreaked havoc on everything and everyone. And God's Word is constantly reminding us of that and our need for a more perfect sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 9, 24-28 is one of my favorite passages. I'm going to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to read this along with me. Again, Hebrews chapter 9, beginning with verse 24 all the way through 28. Hear what the author of Hebrews has to say. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
And just as, as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Mary and Joseph have ascended the hill with the Messiah of God's people, with the Redeemer. They have come to the temple. Now, the temple is where the presence of God rests on earth. The temple is His footstool. And so they are bringing Jesus, they are bringing the great high priest to the temple. And the Holy of Holies was designed in such a way that it was supposed to be a reflection of the throne room of heaven. It was supposed to be a reminder of what the throne room of heaven looks like. This place of mercy and grace and holiness and justice. How unbelievable is this scene? Joseph and Mary and Jesus, the Good Shepherd, the High Priest, the Messiah, the One who has come from the throne room of heaven near the Holy of Holies, which is a reflection of the throne room of grace, where sacrifices are being made. His mother needs to be purified. She needs to be cleansed. They need to offer a sacrifice. And she is holding the final sacrifice for God's people. Here He is. Here He is. As I prayed early, earlier, cr Christmas is a busy season. And there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of strain that come with the holidays. And it just seems like the past week has been so hectic in our family. Nothing bad. All good. But so hectic. And I woke up this morning and I was reading from Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 and it was a reminder of how we can pursue everything else but the Christ child. And so we stand with Mary and we stand with Joseph needing cleansing, needing purification. And the good news of the gospel for all of you this morning is that little child that she has brought up the hill is the one who offers us forgiveness. That in Jesus, whatever you've done, Whatever you've not done, you are forgiven. A message that I need to remind myself every day. An imperfect, sinful person, husband, father, pastor, that I need that sacrifice of the Christ child. I need the good news of the Christmas message that in Him I am forgiven. And secondly, the great exchange. Notice that they offer the turtle doves, that they offer the pigeons. They did not offer a lamb. 
So what does that mean according to Levitical law? It means that Mary and Joseph were poor. It just simply means that they were very poor people. And isn't that ironic? Isn't that ironic? Here is Jesus, the high king of heaven, the one who the army of angels comes to the shepherd and says, he is our king, he is worthy of worship, and to everything, excuse me, and everything belongs to him. He humbles himself. He becomes poor. And he is born to poor parents for us. Jesus leaves the throne of grace. He leaves the Father. He leaves the Holy Spirit. And he enters into this world. He takes on flesh. And he's born in a lowly manger. He is the king. He has an army of angels at his beck and call. And yet he is born in a place where the people that he belongs to are subjected to another king and another army. He's born into this sinful world. He has to experience living in a fallen, cursed world. He empties Himself for us. He becomes poor for us. He leaves everything for us. We can't fully understand the magnitude of what all he left. But we do know that when the Apostle Paul gets a tiny glimpse of it, he says, to die is gain. To die is gain. And Jesus forsakes all of that for you and for me. 2 Corinthians 8-9 For you know the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. We are rich in Christ. He gives us all the blessings that He has earned because of His covenant obedience. They come to us. He gives them to us through faith. And faith is a gift that He works in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So my family, we're going to celebrate Christmas this evening in Alabama. And we will exchange gifts and it will be a fun time. It will be an enjoyable time. I have nephews that are in the third grade and in kindergarten and I have picked out some things especially for them and I cannot wait to watch them tear open the wrapping paper and to see what it is that we've gotten them and the joy that fills their hearts. That's what we do over Christmas. We give gifts to the ones that we love hoping that it will be a blessing to them. 
Jesus gives us everything. It's the great exchange. We give Him nothing, and He gives us everything. He becomes poor so that we can become rich. Take that to heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the richness that you bring to our souls and to our lives. Thank you for caring for us so much that you took on flesh and rescued us. Thank you, Father, for placing your name upon us. And may this Christmas season, may we remember all that it is that you have done for us, the perfect gift that you have given us. And it's in his name we pray.